welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Julie Kenner's Demon Ex Machina, the fifth book in the Adventures of a Demon Hunting Soccer Mom series. So much anger. Uh, there's just this book. This is a roller coaster. This was a roller co- this was a roller coaster. This was more of a roller coaster than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. Especially I, the end, but we'll get there. I, I spent a lot of time cursing Julie. Oh yeah. In the I, best way possible. But the, oh yeah. Again, I we Julie, we know you listen and we appreciate it. We love you. <laughs> we don't want you to think that we're really mad at you. <laughs> Not at all. <sighs> Absolute queen, but this book was painful. There was a lot of internal screaming, a lot of crying, a lot of cursing. Somebody where because remember I'm the president of that. I I'm gonna mention that very oh. soon actually. Um, but before we get started, just one small, very sad announcement. Very sad. Um, the day we're recording this, we of course found out about the middle of the night. I think I saw it on Twitter at like 3 a.m. that Anne Rice died yes. yesterday. Oh. And um, you know, I know so many of us uh, who are Buffy fans, who are Julie Kenner fans, who started down that road, like Anne Rice was our gateway drug into vampires, like little middle school Mary yeah. reading interview with the vampire. She was our she was our nana. She was our she was our grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> and when she was, I know. I know the fan culture has a very complicated uh, uh, relationship with Anne Rice, yes. but you know, again, it, it doesn't take away from what she did creatively and what she gave us all in the Vampire Chronicles. But I will admit, before she leaned more on the weird, not weird, <laughs> the bad side of weird, when she was still the good side of weird and was like making interviewers get into the coffin in her living room. I wanted to be her when I grew up. You, you mean you don't want to be, you didn't want to be Jesus fanfic? No, Anne I Rice. didn't want to be Jesus fanfic, Anne Rice. But like early Vampire Chronicles, I throw a ball every year in my New Orleans mansion. That was yeah. who I aspired to be as yeah. like a 12 year old. Yeah, that was, that was definitely where I was at too. And touching on what you said about the, the relationship with the fans, and was just old school. Yes. And when we were when we were, you know, up and coming, you know, a lot, you know, we were we were fanfic writers, we're role players, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. She just didn't understand what we were what was going on in that world. So, no. you know, I can I can look at it like as as obnoxious as she got with it, she just didn't understand and legal like lawyers and things because it was it was the 90s it was you know it was before like a lot of a lot of younger fanfic writers and role players take for granted that there's a whole we don't like don't talk to the authors about it they don't want to know they know it goes on but they just don't acknowledge it but it was a different time. And I've learned from TikTok that like all this has changed because I've seen so many TikTok videos having to explain to newer fans why older fan fictions, because apparently mm-hmm. newer ones don't have that disclaimer on yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. And so people had to explain about the, you know, the Diana Gabaldon, the Anne Rice, I think yeah. even Laurel K. Hamilton. Yeah. Like all of this like, you know, you had to make it very clear that you don't I own... don't want anything for this. I yeah. just want to appreciate this world that you built. Yeah. Yeah. And because then then, you know, uh, about a decade ago, I think um, the Creative Commons 
you know, license came out where you have, you know, this, this is under that where I'm not making any money from this. You know, it's, I don't own anything. I don't. So yeah, it is, it was a very. Yeah. Which has turned into a whole other thing that I don't know, maybe we'll do like a separate episode on fan culture one day because like now people, not the people who change the names, like Fifty Shades. Yeah. Or everyone now knows the Love Hypothesis, which amazing book. Yes. Was oh originally a Raylo fic. I okay. So just a quick quick note about <laughs> that. I love how how anti Raylos are. Like I was tricked into reading a no, Raylo book. Look at the picture on the front of the book. The, you the were not art, tricked. The art on the cover of that book is clearly daisy and adam you were not tricked into this Um, they changed the character's name from ben to adam yeah his name is adam in the book yeah (laughs) like come on but um like there's someone i've seen it on tiktok and uh there's someone who's written like a series about harry's son and has like bound it and is like selling it and someone was like whoa you're gonna re-ruin this for everyone yeah like you need you can't do that no so like yeah i said like maybe we'll do a we'll do a whole separate when i finally get our patreon up and running maybe we'll do like a a patreon discussion on like fan culture because it is is a wackadoo thing oh and and if if you like take it from us, we have been in fan culture. Long okay, time. I, Long I time. what 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 are we? Is today the the twelfth? Today, yeah, December twelfth. <gasps> you are gonna be forty in ten days. In ten days, I am gonna be forty. So that tells you how long I've been doing this fan shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, before, like I was, I was shipping and before there was even a word for it like one yes. of my early one of my early ships was Riker and Troy from Star Trek Next Generation and like I didn't even know that shipping is a thing I'm trying to think I think the first one that I can really be like I thought of this in ship dynamics even if I didn't have the word was Rogue and Gambit that's another good one yes yes yeah, I think that yeah. So we're 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 pretty old. We've been doing this and yeah. we've seen we've seen a lot of shit. Oh, we have been through the wars. I mean, yeah, yeah. We have battle scars and mental scars. Like, I mean, we could we could talk about the great strikeout of from Live Journal, strike through. Oh. Yeah, we could. Yeah, or right. or, or that we could do a whole other podcast on the history of I was fandom. Gonna, I was. I think there are. Like, you guys yeah. should go searching. I think there are. I think Plot What Plot actually did a collaboration episode with two girls who talk a lot about uh, different fanfic tropes and yeah. and fanfic. So yes, go out there, find them. They're amazing. But like I said, maybe one day we'll sit down and have this discussion. Otherwise, we're gonna be here for like five hours. Yeah, we've so, got we've got a lot of ground to cover on this. We've book. got a lot of ground to cover. So let's dive into it. Whew, all right, let's go. Demon X Machina, of course, written by Julie Kenner. It was published in 2009. So our synopsis is Demon Hunter Kate Connor is having a very bad month. 
Yes, she is. Her her (laughs) resurrected first husband houses the soul of a demon. Her current husband is being overly attentive to the point of smothering. Her toddler son has entered a tantrum phase. And her teenage daughter is still determined to be the next best demon slayer. Worse, she's determined to get her learner's permit the day she turns 15. (laughs) That's a lot for one woman to juggle, even a demon hunter. Add saving the world to the mix, and things are about to get complicated. Oh, that's putting it mildly. Oh, it is. Kate's Kate's level of absolutely done in this book reminds me of Buffy in What's My Line? Yes, there is a lot of good parallels to Buffy in this book. Yeah. And we're going to talk about them. I definitely made sure to point some of them out as we go along because there were good three or four scenes that like straight out reminded me of Buffy. Yeah, this is this. And there is just this is Kate Connor and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad month. Oh, just way too much, way too much. And she's, you know, she's just getting over everything that happened in the previous book. book. Yeah. Oh, poor Kate. So we begin with the training session. Kate, Stuart and Allie dressed as a ninja (laughs) all out in the cemetery. It seems that now Stuart has accepted Kate's demon hunting side and decided to fight for her in their marriage. He wants in, wants to know how to fight, how to protect himself and their son. And while Kate wasn't too keen on the idea at first, learning these things at 40 plus isn't the easiest, not to mention she kind of liked that Stuart was the normal part of her life. (laughs) She is forced to admit when it comes to the whole protecting himself and Timmy thing, he has a point. So yeah, training. Great family bonding activity. It is. And Allie is enjoying it far too oh, much. Oh, she, she is enjoying this way too much. Seeing as how she gets to play the part of Mysterious Attacker. Also, I totally love that Stuart is using one of Timmy's toy daggers. And Kate uh, describes it as probably being from a Peter Pan playset. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I'm imagining, like, the one that has, like, the picture of Peter at the top in yeah. the hilt. And I just, I loved it. I love that image. Yeah, because I think... Cause uh, my my baby frog had a I I think it, his was probably the Neverland Pirates playset, but he had a fake dagger like that. And <laughs> what you can't see the Neverland Pirates. <laughs> what, you, what you couldn't see was Mary was shaking her head in disgust. <laughs> and, <laughs> I know it's so bad. Pirates don't steal. <laughs> yes, for anyone who does not have small children, like Timmy at home or baby frog. Um, the Neverland Pirates were a group of, like, children who hung out on Neverland, and they were pirates, of course, because there was a girl, and, you know, Peter doesn't let girls be lost boys. But then they would say stuff like, a pirate never steals. (sighs) And I'm just sitting here going, I think you're a little confused on what the definition of a pirate is. (laughs) So that show just drives me to madness. it, it 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 was so maddening, because over here you had Captain Hook and his pirates, who were doing the whole stealing thing. But then over here you had Jake and the Neverland Pirates, who they weren't stealing, so what did they do? And those fucking doubloons. Ah, I'm never counting doubloons. Oh, God, fuck those doubloons. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's it's going to be one of those episodes, guys. Buckle in. I, I went out to brunch this morning. I've had a couple mimosas. <laughs> we do learn during this training session that Allie and her dad took some bone dust set by the Vatican and used Stuart's fertilizer spreader to make sure that no zombies could ever rise in the cemetery again. 
that was a great idea. I know. It's a great idea. It's a great visual. I just, I love how impressed Stuart is by that move. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a better thing than I've ever used it for. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, They're just getting ready to wrap it up as Timmy has a birthday party in the morning and Kate would like to get some sleep when her hunter senses go off and she gets the feeling they're being watched. And they are a snap of the twig giving away that they're not alone. Something that causes Stuart to grab a real knife from, I think, Allie and toss it at the newcomer, who, as it turns (laughs) out, is Eddie. (laughs) God damn it, Eddie. Wait, Eddie? Eddie, dumbass. (sighs) Eddie, who is thankfully fine, because I swear to God, if something happens to that man. But again, it it is Stuart that threw the knife. Yeah, it is. It is Stuart, so we're not that worried. If, If Kate had thrown the knife... That would have been a little different. A little different. Yeah. He teases Stuart about trying to get his guest room back by offing him. It's a weird <laughs> sort of bonding moment between them. And Kate remarks that if this is all it would have taken to get them along, to get them to get along, she would have shoved him in the backyard with knives ages ago. <laughs> that's that's how you do it. Though that does beg the question of just what is Eddie doing there? As Kate asked him to come along earlier, his response was a very emphatic hell no. And also, he had a date. Well, turns out Tammy's cable was out. And as her (laughs) DVD collection is crap, he left said date to come check on them. Oh, Eddie. He left a date because her cable was out. Okay. Kate is a little incredulous and tells him, unfortunately, they were just packing it up. She asks if Stuart's going to follow them home because they arrived in separate cars. And he says, yeah, in about an hour. He wants to check on the house, aka the giant fuck-off mansion they they purchased to flip in the last book. Mm-hmm. Eddie wants to go too to see what all the hoopla is about, and so does Allie. So Kate heads back to Laura's alone, as Laura had Timmy. It's an odd feeling Kate has as she drives away. Like oddly peaceful, but odd, because now with everything in the open, they actually feel like a real family. A family that hangs out in cemeteries. But a real family. Hey, gotta hang out. Gotta take your family time where you can. Exactly. At Laura's, there is, of course, a bit of a gossip sesh. Mm-hmm. Laura asking about the training and how Stuart is adjusting to everything, like learning demons are real and training to be his wife's sidekick. <laughs> And also how Kate's adjusting. She says for the moment, it's going kind of great. Stuart's all about the togetherness and Allie is actually keeping her room clean. Probably because she's afraid her weapon supply will get cut off if she doesn't. (laughs) Kate is a little worried about her schoolwork though. And finds out from Laura that Mindy has also commented on Allie's lack of studying and or turning in assignments. More the latter than the former, as she is studying, it's just theology and demonology. (laughs) Also, Allie's been kind of distant. And while she has gotten the go-ahead to tell Mindy, Allie decided that with the divorce going on, telling her best friend that her birth father came back into the body of another man. And so she now has two attentive father figures. While Mindy's was currently being an asshat because fuck Paul. Oh, fuck Paul. Fuck him. That was not the best thing. No. And Kate gets that. She's just worried this might impact the girl's friendship. Mm -hmm. Well, Laura (laughs) worries about the girls getting into college. With scholarships, if possible, seeing as how Paul's leaving, fuck Paul. Fuck him. Has left Laura in a sticky financial situation. Kate assures Laura that Mindy is going to get a ton of scholarships. And Laura suggests maybe Eric slash David can pull some strings and get Allie some extra credit or an independent study credit. Eric. Now, there's a complicated issue. Oh, so complicated. Because just recently, they learned that Eric houses a demon inside him. (sighs) 
one that has been with him his entire life. And while Eric told Kate not to look into it, Kate, of course, hasn't listened. And she and Father Corletti have been doing their best to find answers. Of course. You can't just say, you can't just say, don't look into this thing. Right? No, that absolutely, that's just not going to fly. Never, never happens. Problem is, there are none. A far from ideal situation, as if something isn't done soon, the demon could take over and Eric could disappear forever. And I am just like, not on my watch, people. No, no, we will not let that happen. Since they're on the subject, Laura asks how the whole thing is going, how Eric's doing, and Kate, Kate is a little bitter. <sighs> oh, oh, Eric's fine. He's known about this forever. <laughs> When they were young, when they were married, and he never told her. Oh, she finds out. This poor woman finds out so much about her life. I, I just, I feel knew. so much for Kate in this book. Yeah, I am, I am right there with her. Like at this point, like, like, fuck everybody who, who, just fuck everybody, just. It's not a good feeling, especially as Kate feels Eric is shutting her out now. He's still around, still Eric, still fighting by her side, but he's not confiding in her about this, and that hurts. Laura reminds her that he's not coming to her because of Stuart. She has another husband. Does he know about the demon? Yeah, Kate told him. Laura is very proud of her for that. (laughs) Gold stars! I love Laura. Okay, fuck everybody except Laura. Yes, Laura. Laura's like... Yeah. What about Allie? Kate says no. Allie doesn't know and isn't going to know. While Kate's extremely worried about Eric, she doesn't want Allie worrying. But she might pay some close attention and make sure her daughter hasn't learned the truth from other sources like she has in the past. Laura says if it makes Kate feel any better, she is like 90% certain Paul is a demon. Fuck Paul. Oh, fuck him. Kate says if he is, then she is well within her rights to kill him for Laura tempting. Before they can get any further into that and into Laura's relationship woes with the doctor, Mm. Laura mentions the others must be home as there are shadows moving about in Kate's house. What? No, that's impossible. There's no way they're home yet. So leaving Timmy, who is passed out (laughs) on Laura's couch. Do not wake up a sleeping toddler. Still with Laura, Kate heads over to her house to investigate. If it's a demon, she'll deal with it. And if it's a burglar, well, hopefully she'll frighten them off. She heads over, searches the house, finds nothing except Cabot hiding in Timmy's closet. (laughs) And so goes back to head to Laura's. Only when she steps outside, there's Eric looking way too amused at the fact he scared her and caused her to scream. Bastard. Turns out he had to see Kate. He had to make sure she was okay as he started having dreams, hellish visions he's afraid might be omens. Oh, gosh. Kate knows this (laughs) has to do with the demon surfacing and wants Eric to let her help, but Eric tells her she made her choice. She's with Stuart, and what's happening inside him is none of her concern. Oh, fuck off, Eric. I mean, I I love Eric. We all know I love Eric, but right now I am going to punch him in the face. Like... It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like you and and the thing is, first of all, he's coming to her house at night and he's still coming around and he's still in Allie's life. And he's still, you know, at this point, trying to be Eric as much as he can. So him telling her and, and I think at this point, it's probably, you know, some of the influence inside him. Making him be a dick. But like, no, you don't get to say, oh, you don't get to worry about me. The two of you grew up together. Yes. If nothing else. You were partners. Like, you don't just stop 
caring you about someone. You seem to someone. be the only two of your, like, coterie left alive. Yeah, you, the two of them went through so much shit in their lives. Like, that's what, that's what I want to know somewhere down the line. Like, we know, obviously, we know Cammy died. We mm-hmm. found that out in the last episode. But in the first, is it in the first book, we find out about, like, two doormates that, like, she and Eric hung out with. Yeah. And obviously, there were other hunters. So it does seem like, because Kate is not calling any of these people for help. Yeah. It does seem like she and Eric are at this point the only two of their group left. Yeah, and at least from their their age. Yeah. So like his, yeah, his whole oh, you don't get to work like it's putting her in such an uncomfortable position. It is. Because yes, she could leave Stuart. But at this point, Stuart is such a good guy is, you know, we're, we're going to get there later. We're going to get there later. And, and by the end of this book, I don't know. I think she kind of should leave Stuart. Well, but... that's, why, that's why, like, I'm saying at this point. At the, yeah, at this point, Stuart is really trying. And he's he's taking it so well. He is. For the he position is. that he is being put in, you know? And, like, you know, understanding that Eric is Allie's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, she needs to be able to have that. You know, now that he doesn't think that there's something hinky going on with the oh high school teacher. So, yeah. So, like, Eric's whole thing is just like, fuck you, Eric. Mm-hmm. But again, that we we could say that even here, because once you look back in hindsight after reading the whole book. Yeah. No, it's it clear could- the demon had influence even at this point. Yeah. Kate tells him that's not fair. She thought he was dead. And yes, she loves Stuart, but she loves him too. And whether or not and whether they're together or not, he's important to her, to Allie. He's Allie's father. And that's why she cares, right? Because of Allie. It's not like she's in his bed or even really in his life. His whole argument devastates Kate because she does. She loves him, has always loved him. But she has Stuart and they have a son. She just can't leave him. Right. Though Eric does ask why not before reiterating to Kate that she made her choice. However... Before they can continue this discussion slash argument, a demon crashes the party, and a pretty nasty one at that. They fight him off. Well, more he turns and flees. But not before two very interesting things happen. One, he identifies the demon living inside Eric by name. Do you remember how they pronounce this in the audiobook? Uh, They pronounce it Odane. Odane? Okay. Odane, yeah. I was like, just before I try to do it in some weird way. Yes. All right. Yeah. In the in the audiobook, they pronounced it Odane. Okay. How is it spelled? <laughs> uh, o d a y n e. So that oh, makes okay. sense. Yeah. But yeah. It I also could have been something like Odanye. So that's yeah, why I was yeah. like <laughs> the, the cousin of Kanye. <laughs> yes. But yes, they pronounce it Odane. Okay. So he identifies the demon as Odane, and two, he begs Eric not to tell her that he failed. Huh. Hmm. None of this seems good to Kate, who wants to know, A, how long the demon has been that close to the surface, B, did Eric know its name, and C, who she is. (laughs) Eric doesn't have an answer for any of it, because he can't say this is the moment when everything changed. What's happening to him is slow. It's little pieces over time, and it's terrifying. And speaking of time, he's blacking out still. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, there are temper spurts he doesn't remember, like almost running someone off the road. 
but he is sure there is much more he doesn't. Kate makes an offhanded remark like, Jesus. And Eric (laughs) says, yeah, he could really use his help. (laughs) Kate asks if she'll do, and this whole scene just kills me. I know. Especially as Kate doesn't entirely trust he's telling the truth especially when it comes to this mysterious her. And I'm pretty sure that's with good reason because, as we mentioned, Froggy is about to return to her position as the president of the We Hate Nadia Club. Oh, fuck her. Oh, yeah. As, as soon as as soon as I got to that in the book, I messaged Mary. Just, yes. Fuck Nadia. <laughs> fuck Nadia. Oh, Uh, We also learn in this conversation that Forza has twice buried the demon inside of Eric. Once when he was a small child, and the other time after the situation with the Cardinal Fire. While Kate was getting the normal mission debrief, Eric was taken away for chanting and prayers and all kinds of rituals. Kate thinks the demon resurfacing is her fault that the incident with the Lazarus bones allowed him to come forth. But Father Corletti, who, as we said, Kate has been consulting, assures her that that has nothing to do with it. I like... Thinking, thinking back um, to the last book, how she was talking to Father Corletti about was it was it Corletti or Ben that she was talking to about her her feelings that she was responsible for Eric's soul? Possibly both. Both. I think she talked to both of them because but then, Corletti was the one who told her they were connected. Yeah. But I think she also did have some sort of confession with Ben. Yeah. So like. Looking back again, now knowing what we know about Eric, like that talk with Corletti that she had where he assured her that she is not responsible for whatever is wrong with his soul. You know, that makes a lot of sense now considering everybody fucking knew. Yep. Don't you think you should tell somebody about this, that her husband has a demon in him, especially if they're demon hunters? Yeah, we think. Ah, fucking. But we're going to learn Forza doesn't tell people a whole lot. Fucking Forza. Forza's worse than S.H.I.E.L.D., man. They need to figure out how much time Eric has left, how long until the demon takes over completely. And while they do, Kate has some ground rules. Eric can't be alone with Allie. Not that he'd ever hurt her, but the demon. So no solo patrols and no Allie going over to his apartment, not until a solution is found. And since we're on the subject of Allie... The others arrive home just then, and though Kate tries to get rid of Eric before the others can see him, it doesn't work. (laughs) This leads to a very tense and awkward (sighs) standoff between Eric and Stuart. Yeah. Stuart not liking that Kate's first husband, the one clearly still in love with her and with a demon inside him, is just hanging around their house after midnight. In fact, he points out that Kate's cell phone works just fine. (laughs) I can't blame Stuart for that. No. He's got a point. Before this can dissolve into a full-on fight, and it sure looks like it's headed that way, Kate gets Eric to leave and gets Stuart inside. Stuart doesn't want him at the house anymore. Kate reminds him that he's Allie's father, and Stuart, well, Stuart admits that it's mostly his insecurities talking, and he promised to trust Kate, but there's also something unsettling about this. So whatever she's doing to fix it, could she do it faster? The next morning, Kate is awoken by Timmy, who apparently was sent by Stuart to do just that. Ugh. Wake mommy up for breakfast. Oh, that sucks. I hate that. Although I got I got woken up by my by my husband by a raspberry on my stomach. There's so much to unpack there. He just came up and he was he was like, hey, hon, it's time to get up. And then he gave me a raspberry on my stomach. Like, thanks, Mr. Froggy. Okay. I'm just going to put this out here that in my head, he like 
placed a raspberry <laughs> on your stomach and that's why i was like okay well this no. is new and different no no blew a raspberry on my okay. stomach that makes more sense yes i yes. just thought we were being weird with food i mean we're we're uh you know in a straight presenting relationship so it can get weird sometimes but <laughs> we can cut cut that <laughs> No way. Um, <laughs> it's the mimosas talking. <laughs> this is going to be so great when you go back to listen to this. You're like, I don't remember anything I said. <laughs> what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. This leads to Kate having to capture and tickle Timmy several times until Allie and Stuart arrive in the doorway. Stuart saving her by offering the toddler chocolate chip Mickey Mouse pancakes. He runs downstairs, Stuart follows, and Kate and Allie are left alone. Allie wanting to know if she can go to her dad's that weekend. Kate says no, making up some excuse about Eric having to go to LA. And when Allie pushes, Kate says that it's just not going to work this time. Besides, she needs to work on pulling up her grades. Allie points out that she can study at her dad's. And while true, Kate says she'll study there. Those are her totally random and arbitrary mom rules i think they sound pretty they sound pretty uh pretty sound this sends Allie off to her room to sulk and kate calls after her that if she's going to sulk she can study while she does it <laughs> like the most mom moves ever that is so yeah yeah yep if you're gonna go to your room and sulk study while you do it despite this kate is feeling a bit chipper as she joins the breakfast table because hey normal problems and mm-hmm. not demon ones mm-hmm Though she does know she needs to tell Stuart about the demon attack the night before eventually. Full disclosure and all that. Mm -hmm. Timmy is also in high spirits, ready to go to Danielle, the demon spawns. I know it's wrong, but God, I hate this child. Yeah. Birthday party. But again, like we we can, you can understand why she is the way she is because of fucking mom. And the child seems to be getting a bit better in this book. I do like her more in this book. I do like her. I do like Danielle a little more. Uh, As it's going to take a while to get him ready and rewrap the present he found in the closet, (laughs) a silly string shooter because Kate is hashtag petty goals. Oh, And, you know, she can't stake Marissa. (laughs) Kate gives in and goes to get him dressed because, hey, maybe she'll even have time for a Starbucks run. As she heads back downstairs, she reminds Allie that there is no cable till the studying is done. She arrives back downstairs, ready to leave with Timmy, only to find Stuart also leaving as he's been called into work for a Saturday meeting. Through this conversation, in Kate's attempts to get Timmy in the car while he death grips a birthday present, (laughs) we learn a few things. Stuart is no longer running for office. He's pulled out of the race due to having more important things to focus on. Kate supports it, but thinks it's a move that is ultimately going to get Stuart fired. And she's kind of afraid that today is the day. We also learn, as Eddie comes into the garage, that Kate is taking home improvement classes at the Home Depot because of the house flipping, and that Eddie has a job. Oh, yeah. A job at a job. some small shop in Old Town. <laughs> and I love when we when we find out what he has a oh job Oh my God, doing. I love it so much. <laughs> it's a job he's going to need a ride to. Kate offers him a trade. She can drive him but she needs help. She needs an alimentatore. Eddie asks if the Vatican is all out of them, and Kate says, well, she's sure they're working on it. She wants him. Why? Why does she want him? And while Kate could list a million reasons, the most important one is Eric. She needs someone who is going to see the situation clearly, mm-hmm. who is going to see the demon and not be blinded by past feelings. Eddie tells her he knows the answer to her problem without even having to look. She needs to kill him. (laughs) Kill him and put him and all of them out of their misery. Save his soul before it's too late. 
Kate refuses. There has to be another way. And if there's not, there has to be. And if there's not, then she'll do it. She'll kill him like she did the night of the Lazarus bones. Which, uh, so, okay, we will talk about this later because I figured it out. But at this point in the book, I was like, but if Kate kills Eric, doesn't Kate also die? Like, why isn't she thinking about that? Because their souls are like intertwined. But later on, I figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, there's a lot to go, Mary. (sighs) Fine, fine. He'll help. So does he get that ride? Yeah, sure. But why isn't Tammy taking him? (laughs) Turns out Tammy broke up with him the night before. Good for you, Tammy. Left a message on the machine, which Eddie just thinks is super tacky. And since we like finding our parallels, reminds me of the Buffy movie when Buffy's boyfriend at the time breaks up with her by leaving a message. Yes, I, you know what? After he, when he said he left because her cable went out. Yeah, I can't blame Tammy. And she doesn't have a good collection of DVDs. Like, fuck off, Eddie. You deserve to get dumped. But at the same time, I like Rita a lot. I know. So I'm I do. Glad yes, Tammy dropped yes. it. No, I, I do. I do like I do love Rita, but I, I just appreciate the fact that Tammy was like, no, fuck you. And the fact is like when you're in, the, in imagining just also because they're in their 80s. They're yeah. so they're. She's like, you know what? Fine. I don't have a lot of time left to waste. So fuck you. He tells her it'll just be one way. He can get a ride home with his peeps. And yes, Eddie does actually say peeps. He said peeps. Which takes Kate by surprise. And when she questions it, Eddie says, his co-workers? Kate really needs to catch herself up on the lingo. (laughs) Okay, but what about the next day? After today, which is Saturday, he's off till Monday. By which he'll figure something out. Kate really hopes this doesn't mean he's going to start driving again. (laughs) Well, unless she'd like to play chauffeur. Why not? She already does the teenager and the toddler. She can add in a grumpy old man. (laughs) Okay, then. He'll be her alimentatore. But he's not going to be half-assing it. He wants her journals and her debrief reports. And he wants to be clear. He's doing this for her and Allie not him. Kate knows. If anything happens to Eddie, oh, I will riot. There will be there will be so much rioting. And unless he dies of natural causes. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. I will still be devastated, but he can die of being old. Like I I'm, I'm still pissed. I'm still pissed at what happened to poor Wanda mm. in the last book. I feel so bad about Wanda. Wanda just I'm so sad about that because she just wasn't feeling good. She probably went home. You know, she thought she needed a nap. She died peacefully and then a fucking demon entered. Like, that still makes me sad. The party goes, okay. It's chaos, of course. (laughs) Pirate and princess theme with Danielle not wanting to be a princess like her mother envisioned. This is where I am all about Danielle. Yes, when Danielle is like demanding the cutlass and like the hook. She is rioting. She is like, no, I want to be a pirate. But generally, the kids are running around having a good time until Timmy decides he has to go potty. Kate takes him, but he (laughs) wants to do it alone. So she waits outside the door and stumbles across the pirate impersonator hired for the party, who also happens to be a demon. Or not. (laughs) As Kate goes to attack him, she realizes he really is just a children's party performer. Who is really, really drunk. Yes! 
So there we go. He seemed very menacing and he was talking about looking for her and the kids. And Marissa, of course, arrives and the performer says Kate attacked him. And Kate says he's drunk, which he actually is. And if Marissa didn't want to sing the real lyrics to like, <laughs> yo ho ho in a bottle of rum, she was pretty sure she didn't want the pirate she hired to be drunk. <laughs> but I love the, I love this whole, again, this is another one of those scenes that is so yes. beautiful to envision kate in the hall this drunk pirate performer because she's talking about how his breath smells like breath mint yeah because he's trying to hide the rum he's trying to hide the rum not the fact that he was oh my god it's just so good this is true and marissa says his state is unacceptable but what now if there's no pirate kate says just let the kids play yeah Because this whole time, Marissa has been trying to have organized fun and the kids, they just, they were not about it at all. You know what? I hate Marissa, but I can relate to this. Oh, yeah. Mary, you remember... I remember, I remember Tadpole's fourth birthday when just no children wanted to have organized fun. There was, there was so much organized fun to be had and the children wanted nothing of it. And finally, I'm just like, you know what? Go be crazy. Oh, and during the party, we find out that Kate has gone forward with organizing the self-defense classes and that the first one is that night. Also that Fran's mother, Rita, has a crush on Eddie. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. Laura finds this whole thing hysterical (laughs) when Kate tells her and kind of wishes she had been there. Of course, this leads to Laura asking about Eric's breath, since, you know, telltale sign of a demon. And Kate says, it's just fine. (laughs) Now, as they're having the conversation during the tiling class, they do kind of get shushed. The instructor wanting to make sure they understood all the directions. But as he leaves them with a piece to practice on, Kate turns her attention to Laura. As she had to run off the other night, she never got to hear hear what was up with her and the doctor. Apparently, the doctor broke up with her. Something Kate says makes him truly evil. She'd be happy to take him out for her. Real friends help you bury bodies. True, True facts. For a moment, they turn back to the towel they're working on, and Laura admits that if she actually paid attention, she could redo the house. Make it so totally different than when Paul... Fuck Paul. Fuck Paul. Live there. Kate says if she really wants to tile, she can head over to the mansion. She needs <laughs> plenty of help there. No thanks. She'll stick to the non-physical research-based form of help. <laughs> they start to talk about this random she-demon and Eric, which quickly morphs into a conversation about Eddie and where they think he might be working. Laura suggests Baskin Robbins, and I just keep thinking of <laughs> Ant-Man and the whole like, Baskin Robbins knows. knows. <laughs> I thought I thought about that too. But could, could you imagine Baskin Robbins just being a front for a spy organization? Yes! I love it. That's a new there there that's that's a new series there. Not there you, you know, go. not trademark Baskin Robbins, but some some ice cream it's conglomeration. Cream Cause it's perfect. It's a franchise. You have every you know, all the agents have their own franchise. I like it. <laughs> Kate decides to check on the kids. They're fine, aside from Allie being bored and ready to go. And so Kate tells them to start heading back towards the front. That there's about 15 minutes left in the class. Hanging up, she goes back to Laura. And once again, the conversation turns to Eric and the she-demon. And does Allie know about it? 
No. Does Stuart? No. No. But Kate is planning on telling him. She just wants to have something to tell him. And Eric doesn't know anything. If he does, he's not telling, which still has Kate feeling some sort of way. But there's nothing to be done about it because the sound of oh, hardware no. falling is quickly <sighs> followed by Timmy's running away from the noise and towards the automatic doors that open into the parking lot. Kate leaps to go stop him. But thankfully, another mom, a redhead, is there who grabs him and delivers him to Kate who is eternally grateful and offers this mom more coffee as she has her Starbucks cup, <laughs> lunch, a small island. The mom, <laughs> the mom says she recognizes Kate from Cutter. She was actually meaning to stop in and ask about the self-defense class. Well, Kate says she actually has one starting today at four. It'll run for three weeks and then there will be another session. Technically, her class is full, but Kate is pretty sure Cutter will let her slide one more person in, especially a person who saved Timmy. Honestly, though... She would have been better off telling her that the class was full because Timmy's savior, Lisa, turns out to be a demon. Yeah. As does the toddler. Oh, my God. passing off as her son. Oh, my God. That whole thing is also this is the same day. Yeah. She had the party in the morning, the tiling class in the after. And and that is way too much. So the demon inside the toddler, she calls her consort. And while Lisa is a female demon, she is not the female they're searching for. As she also mentions O'Dane belonging to her. Her. The whole self-defense thing gets pretty real real as Kate fights the demons off. But they manage to escape. And Timmy, while once again threatened... By a small child demon. It's okay. Because, you know, demon and toddler's body was going to kill the toddler if Kate killed Lisa. Jesus fucking Christ, poor Timmy, this child is going to need therapy. Oh my God. Oh my God. I hope I, the, I, they, Forza needs to provide their own therapist. They really do. Can you imagine this poor child talking to a regular therapist about demons? Oh, that that would just not go well. This is not going to, this, like, we haven't, how far into this book are we? Because this, so much shit happens. We're about to start chapter six. We are not yeah. even halfway through. Yeah, so much. And so much shit has already happened. Like, that description says she's having a rough month. They're not it, lying. No, not lying at all. She's having a rough day. Thankfully, the other women in the class believed it all to be part of said class. Lisa being a plant to show that even those trained in self-defense can be caught off guard. That was really, that was a really good explanation. That was, that was good. Yeah. And Cutter? Well, if he suspected anything different, he didn't say. Though he did seem very interested in the fact Laura was currently single. (laughs) The divorce and the doctor being the reasons Kate gave for her jittery, nervous state. That's, that's what I messaged you about. Oh, they need to get together. (laughs) But now, back in Kate's kitchen, they were free to talk for real. But before they can do that, a fight breaks out between Allie and Mindy. Mindy knows Allie is hiding something and she's tired of it. She's going to the movie with some of the other girls. After Mindy leaves, Kate and Laura tell Allie, it's time. Yeah. She needs to tell her because yeah, Mindy might be mad she hit it, but the longer it goes on, the madder she'll get. Allie says, yeah, but instead of running after Mindy, she heads upstairs, which leaves Kate and Laura wondering what the whole deal with Lisa and her tiny consort is (laughs) and where they could be hiding because Kate, she doesn't even know where to start. Luckily, Allie does. And when she returns, she has a newspaper article about a mother and son that miraculously survived a car crash. They were San Diablo locals, so it looks like they headed back to what was their human host's house and just waited until they were needed. Laura doesn't get it. The toddler? 
How could a demon inhabit him? Aren't children innocent? Kate has to remind Laura that innocent and faithful are not the same thing. But it is odd. Demons, while they'll take the body of a child if they have to, normally avoid it. Chubby limbs, bad center of gravity, (laughs) all that. Although it is a good way to hide. Yeah. But you don't don't get much power from a... No. No. All that. Laura suggests maybe the point was to get close to Timmy all along. But then what would the mysterious she-demon want with Timmy? Allie asked about the she-demon then as she found out about her from Eddie, who gave her the job of looking up O'Dane, saying he was one of Eric's old enemies, and that he has ties to some female demons. Kate explains about the demon in the backyard the night before, and Allie is floored. Why didn't she tell her? They're supposed (laughs) to be open about these things now. They are. Kate just hasn't had a chance, and Stuart doesn't know yet, so don't rat her out. (laughs) That's when Father Corletti calls. Not sure what he's going to say, and not wanting Allie to overhear anything that might make her worried. She pretends it's Fran and heads upstairs. Turns out he's calling about O'Dane, and it's not good. Apparently, O'Dane is not just one of the oldest demons, but his origins are a mystery. As whatever means it is that causes demons to come into existence, O'Dane seemed to bypass it. It also seems that even in his true form, O'Dane can't be killed, not like other demons. O'Dane's true form is the binding with the human host. And if he's not killed properly, he will simply return to his embryonic form and await a new host. Fucking demons. It's clear so much of what is happening to Eric, no one knew. Not even Father Corletti, as the higher-ups at Forza kept it all from him. Fuck Forza. Oh, But they are learning now, and part of what they learned is that there is one way to kill O'Dane, to banish him forever. You know, something that always bothers me about secrets being kept... Yes. ...is the fact that all these secrets are being kept... But by keeping these secrets, you're going to fuck everybody over even worse mm-hmm. than by telling them. Yes. So at least at least if people are prepared for something or they can look for signs, then, you know, we can do something about it before shit hits the fan. Yes. Turns out there is a double sided dagger. Only problem is you kill the demon. You also kill the body it's in, meaning Eric. By the time Kate returns from talking to Father, Allie's gotten bored and gone upstairs, which leaves Kate free to tell Laura about what Father said. Laura says they can work with this. They have a name and they have a mystical weapon. (laughs) Only if this demon has been inside Eric since like birth, how do they know this mystical weapon is going to work? Faith, Kate tells her. (laughs) Faith. Great. Faith. Yes, that's... Stuart arrives home then and Laura heads over to her place and tells Kate to stop by after patrol if she wants the uh, knitting needles. (laughs) Knitting needles? Stuart, rightfully so, thinks this sounds ridiculous, as does Allie. But Kate points out they make great weapons and they don't look suspicious. Yeah, that's a... uh, You know what? The funny part was I was doing one of my cross stitches... While listening. While listening at this point, And I'm like looking, I'm like, huh, yeah, knitting needles. Yeah. <laughs> she sends Allie off to bathe Timmy and talks to Stuart. Seems the day went as Kate expected. But Stuart says the partying was amicable. And since he kind of knew it was coming, he had a chance to arrange for something else. Being counsel for another associate who might even want to invest in his and Bernie's development idea. Which reminds him, he kind of invited Bernie, Pete, and their wives over. This sends Kate off. Yeah. It was one thing when he was running for office, but he cannot just continually spring parties on her. Has he seen the house? Who's going to clean it? And why do these things always have to be at their place? 
Stuart says he'll clean, but if Kate is really opposed the company, they can figure something else out. It's fine. It's fine. He just, he needs to ask because sometimes it's not a good time. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that, that made me angry too. I was angry right there with, with Kate because, whew, no, no. I can't wait for you to get to the start of the next book, which, because I was like four pages in before I realized I was reading the wrong book. Okay. And like... The whole scene in the airport, I'm like, this is Froggy and Mr. Frog. (laughs) (laughs) This causes Stuart to ask what is really going on, and Kate tells him about the demon attacks. And just when was she planning on telling him? She said she had been planning all along, but things kind of just kept coming up. And Stuart reminds her that now that he knows, he's not going to let her cut him out. Not anymore. (laughs) Then he tells her to make blinces. It will all be fine. Eric, however, has a different reaction. He doesn't like this and he thinks he needs to be by Kate's side until it's over because right now he's still him. After he fought for the body he's currently in, well, he has no intention of losing it. Kate reminds him that he was the one who said he wasn't her partner anymore. That's, see, that's what fucking pisses me off about Eric at this point. Yes. Like, he's going, and I'm glad she brought that up. I'm glad she's like, oh no, buddy, you said, mm mm-mm. You said that we're not partners. So what the fuck is going on here? Turns out the place the demons are supposed to be holing up or were holing up, they're gone now, was right near the house she and Eric used to live when Allie was little. As the house is pretty much abandoned and they have a second, Kate tells Eric she needs him to tell her the truth, to tell her everything. He doesn't want to. He clearly doesn't want to. And kind of looks like he hopes a demon will pop out and sidetrack (laughs) the conversation. But he does. He tells Kate what he remembers and what gaps Father Corletti has filled in. The demon inside of him... That, that wasn't an accident. That was planned by his parents who were Forza and thought they could take a demon and harness its strength, create a, a super soldier, a super hunter of sorts. <sighs> Clearly, they were wrong. Yep. Eric has memories of parts of the ritual, the one from when he was six or seven. He also remembers those rituals being interrupted by Kate's parents. Oh, too much information being thrown at this poor woman. Kate's parents, who were rogue demon hunters, <laughs> not Forza, which is so interesting given Kate's prejudice towards rogues. Yes. And she now she finds out she came from two. Yeah, well, and also the prejudice comes from Forza. Yeah, from being raised within the walls yeah. of Forza. Yeah. Anyway, they burst into the ritual intent on killing Eric and his parents and her parents fought, leaving his father and her parents dead. His mother hung on for three days, long enough to tell Wilson everything. They never did identify them, but somehow they found out where they were staying, saw evidence of a child and went looking for her, which is when they found Kate wandering the streets. Eric swears to her father Corletti didn't know all this, that while Wilson did, father Corletti was only ever told what he told Kate. That she was found alone and abandoned wandering around. People, you need to give out more information. Stop with the secrets. Father Corletti didn't even know the truth about him until after the ordeal with the Cardinal Fire. Kate hates thinking about this, about how young they were, how Eric had to carry all this by himself. Eric says he was afraid if Kate knew if she ever found out she wouldn't want him. What? How could he ever think that? This scene, this whole conversation with its reveals and its forbidden Mm -hmm. kissage, because yes, there is kissage. Yes. Until Kate pulls away. (sighs) She's married and not to him. She can't be doing this. We should mention about this time they abandoned the house that they were at 
if they had been in the house that was until this point being used by the demons and actually go to check on their old house, which yeah. Saki Lee is for sale, sale. This gives them a chance to break in and look around. <laughs> Kate still can't believe she ended up there from an orphan in Rome to a suburban mom. But then how did she come to be in Rome? How had her parents come to be in Rome? She can't help but wonder if some of her parents' things might be in the archives, if there might be more about her past and where she comes from that she can discover. But it also makes her fear that they might end up doing the same thing to Allie, that she and Eric could die and leave her all alone, leave Timmy without his mother, leave Allie like her own parents did to her, running off without a thought for the child left behind. Or, you know, so it seems to her. Well, at least Allie's older. Yes, this is true. She's not but a Timmy's small child. Not. Timmy's yeah. probably about the same age Kate was when she was yeah. found. Yes, but just saying that that she's not going to be a small child wandering the streets of Rome. And this is true. <laughs> Eric notices she's upset, but she says no. His shoulder is not hers to cry on. He pushes, however, telling her they're connected, that she can't deny it. Still, she says no and tries to pull away, but he grabs her, holds her, tells her she's his, and then goes to try to take what he feels he's owed. Their struggle allows Kate to see the scar on his back, one that has never been visible before, shaped like a forked tongue. But the truly terrifying part is when she looks back to Eric, looks at his face during the attack. There's no visual sign of the beast. Just him. Kate manages to fight Eric off using the very knife he gave her for their third anniversary. <laughs> Tossing holy water on him, she hears him howl, and yet no physical scar appears. Curious, but ultimately good as it means somewhere deep down inside him, at his core, he's still Eric. He flees from the house and Kate goes to follow. Eric's deeply sorry, deeply ashamed, and wants to know if he hurt Kate. No, no, she's fine. But what are they going to do? She's hesitant to tell Eric about the dagger, but as it turns out, he already knows. Or at least knows there is a dagger. He hasn't yet heard what it looks like. Or maybe it's a myth. Who knows? Kate kind of hopes it is. Eric says if it comes down to it, she needs to promise him she'll do it. Kill him. End it for all of them. For both of them. Kate doesn't know if she can. Eric says she has to. And she says, fine. If it comes down to that. But she needs him to fight. To fight and fight and never give up. He promises her that's <sighs> what he's doing. Which is when the toddler demon returns. Oh, God. This... Oh, having such a hard time right now. <laughs> At first, Kate is just all about pounding him into the ground. But when she throws him off and sees him, sees the stupid Disneyland shirt <laughs> he's in, she can't help but compare him to Timmy. I can't. I can't blame her for having a hard time fighting yeah. a small child. Like, even though you know that the child that was in this body is dead that his spirit is gone it's still hard to it's still hard to think about it makes it hard to finish the job yep but not for eric no eric does not have any quarrel <laughs> eric basically beats this chucky wannabe <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know what i was for some reason my brain wasn't coming to the conclusion i'm like this reminds me of something and yes yeah yes Bates him into a bloody pulp before stabbing him in the eye. And when Kate remarks it was once a child, he simply replies, it's a demon, before walking away. Eric, my love, why are you being like this? Oh, he's he's being way too much. We know why he's being like this. Well, we do, but I don't like it. I know, he's being way too much. The next morning in church, Kate keeps looking for Eric. Because if he's in mass, then it means he's managed to beat the demon back for now. Yes, Eric has been attending mass, but he says it hurts. But if he can still stand it, also, she doesn't really want to pay attention to Mass. Horrible, but true, as she's still hurting from the loss of Father Ben. 
Something she deeply blames herself for as she is Santiago's demon hunter in residence. We are also hurting from the death of Father Ben, especially since we cast Ewan McGregor as him. Ah, we did. Now we're sad. Oh, so sad. But we'll get we'll get more Ben next year. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes. Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. Kenobi. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for you to listen to this episode because you're going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. I swear to God, we're, we are serious podcasters, but not right now. <sighs> he died on her watch and as her alimentatore. Timmy's good behavior only lasts till about communion. So Kate decides to take him outside. Of course, at that point, he decides he doesn't want to leave. You know what? That's about as long as I last, too. <laughs> Heading into the foyer of the church, Kate spots Eddie and immediately worries. He's not exactly a churchgoer. Has something happened? No, nothing's wrong. He's just doing his job. Well, jobs. He has some thoughts on the dagger and he's waiting for Rita, who it seems went by Eddie's work the other day and is now driving him. Eddie's even planning on taking her to dinner and to have a walk on the beach later. But about the dagger, Kate eventually passes Timmy off to Stuart, explaining the whole Eddie acting as temporary alimentatory thing. And Eddie begins to explain, Allie sticking around to hear, just because Forza didn't know about the dagger until recently, doesn't mean Eric didn't. There's a chance Eric's been looking for a while and well, uh, interesting career choice after he retired. No, (laughs) maybe they should check some of his old books. Kate actually employs Allie to help with all of this, telling her she can place her homework on the back burner for a few days. When Allie asks why, Kate tells her to accept the fact it has to do with an old enemy of her dad's. If she can't accept that, well, she can spend the week doing homework. That's fine. (laughs) It's also decided between Kate and Eddie before Allie joins them that Eric needs to be kept out of this for now. They can't trust anything said to him can be hidden from O'Dane. So while they need the books he amassed for the library or in his private collection, for right now, they don't need him. Laura's down with the book idea, but has to ask, if the answer was there, wouldn't have Eric already found it? Not necessarily. He collected a lot of books. (laughs) Maybe he didn't have time to go through all them. Or maybe, Stuart suggested, the demon kept him from noticing something. Who knows how long it's had influence. Kate's not sure about that, but there's not much she can say about it seeing as how soon she's hearing a weird clop-clop sort of noise. (laughs) I do like how Stuart is contributing to the conversation. Stuart is being a good member of the team. He is, I mean, he's got a great idea. It's you know what? He at this point, we're we're on Team Stewart for now. It's not the kind of noise she's used to having in the house. Going to investigate, she finds oh, right. Timmy <laughs> walk naked, wearing her shoes, carrying a purse, and with lipstick on, declaring that he's going shopping. Timmy always Timmy is the MVP of this series. Timmy just any time that anything is getting too serious, he is, I mean, he's going to, again, he's going to need some therapy, but he's taking a lot of, he's taking a lot of what happens to him like a champ. Yes, he is. There's, there's going to be a lot of repressed memories that are going to come back to him later on in life. Like, thank God he's so little because you kind of forget about a lot of things when you're that little. He's going to have he's going to have a dream at some point where being like I had another toddler with a hold a knife to my throat when I was a child. Mom, did that happen? Like, yeah, yeah, it happened. 
She also sees Mindy outside, who is also trying not to die laughing. (laughs) He motions her inside and asks if she's looking for her mom. Actually, she's looking for Allie. Calling Allie down, Kate waits for a second. Timmy now dancing for their amusement. (laughs) When Allie arrives, Mindy says that she was thinking since her parents were having this thing, Allie could come over, watch a movie. Kate says it sounds like a great idea. And disappears from the living room back to the kitchen where she, Stuart, and Laura could eavesdrop. (laughs) What they hear is not at all what they're expecting. As it seems to be another fight between Mindy and Allie. Allie saying she's not available and Mindy wanting to know why she's such a bitch lately. (laughs) Go Mindy. I'm on team. I'm on team Mindy. Mindy is also the MVP of this book. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she almost didn't come over, but she missed Allie. Fine. Mindy wants to know what she's been up to. She's been researching demons. What, seriously? All this has been because of some role-playing game? (laughs) Allie didn't have to hide that from her. Just because she's not into it doesn't mean she was going to judge her. No, no, it's not a game. (laughs) Mindy wouldn't understand. Then help her understand. Make her an account as Morgana the Fairy Princess. (laughs) With a sigh, Allie tells her to come on and takes her upstairs, presumably to fill her in about everything. Which allows the adults to return to their conversation and for Laura to start stress baking slice and bake cookies in Kate's kitchen. I, I love that Laura just sits, sits yeah, because Kate's like, I don't have, like, in the dialogue, it's like she doesn't have any anything to bake, so Laura just settles for the slice and bake. <laughs> Stuart says he and Laura can get started on the books if he and Laura, what about her? Well, Stuart kind of figured she'd want to go ask Eric personally and, you know, patrol. They got the toddler-sized demon, but what about the other? Also, Stuart found something in the paper. A coastal mist's nursing home resident that miraculously survived a, sh- a heart attack while on a shopping trip. Of course. Maybe they should stop by the nursing home tonight? Again, gold star for Stuart. No, not gold star for Stuart. Oh. Because tonight, <laughs> they can't tonight. Stuart committed <laughs> them to guests. That's true. That is true. But he does get the point for being proactive. Except for... The, he, he can have a silver star. He can have a silver star. He doesn't get a gold star because he committed them to the cocktail party. But he does get a point for wanting to go patrol. Yes. And for, for finding the Coastal Miss resident, you know, so yeah, he gets that. He gets a part of a star. He'll get half a star. Laura says if this is about to turn into a fight, she can't go read a magazine till they're done. <laughs> no, no fight. That Stuart sounds says like it's us. going to be fine. <laughs> they're going to make blintzes. Blintzes? Laura looks at him. With Kate. He's gonna do that with Kate. <laughs> Before Kate can defend her skills, the doorbell rings, sending a naked Timmy scurrying down the hall as Stuart goes to answer. Blintzes was such a random... It's a very random thing. It was such a... I mean, a... they end up making more. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it was a very random thing for Stuart to bring up. It was because, because uh, then I was thinking about that. I was actually thinking about it because at brunch they had blintzes. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm eating the blitz. And I'm like, this is a very random thing yeah. for Stuart to decide to make for this cocktail party. At the door is Lisa. Lisa, who is looking for revenge for the death of her consort and thinking Timmy is just the answer. There's a bit of a standoff. Kate, Lisa, Stuart, even Allie and Mindy, who have crept down the stairs. But Allie employs self-defense tactic number one, scream real loud. (laughs) I love that. And it throws Lisa off her rhythm. Street smarts. Street smarts. (laughs) I just, that's all I can think 
of us. Like, man, I grew up off in Sweden. Street smarts. You got. You have to. We'll have to post when this comes out. Have to post that a gif of that on the yes. the social media. Street smarts. Allowing them to get Timmy away and for Kate to toss Stuart a knife. Of course, when Lisa pleads for her life, Stuart can't do it, and it's up to Kate to finish the job. Okay. So maybe he's not quite ready for patrol yet. No, no. Well, I mean, to be fair, Kate had trouble with the toddler demon. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Minnie looks around. It's all real. Yep. Yep, it is. Stuart wonders what they're going to do with the body. And Kate says, thankfully, they've got a pretty (laughs) large pantry. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) Though it actually ends up in Stuart's truck. Yeah. Mindy actually offers to help them get it in there, which Kate takes as a good sign, means they probably didn't scar her for life. Uh, yeah. But they all refuse. The first time uh. learning demons are real is hard enough. No need to hide a body, too. This, this whole... You know what? There are so many hilarious moments in this book. With the body hidden and Laura gone back to her house with the girls and Timmy, Kate and Stuart get down to the afternoon's activity, cooking, which Kate desperately tries to get out of. She can do setup. Plates, cups, napkins. But no, no, Stuart is here for the togetherness. Besides, this is normal. Making food, having people over. And normal is good. Kate can't quite argue with that. They get the food done and talk about just how many of these parties Kate has saved from demonic disaster. (laughs) Kate goes to change. And before she knows it, she's letting people in. Bernie and Lila and Pete and his wife, Angie. But while she's letting them in, she sees a figure leaning against a car down the road that catches her attention. (sighs) Fucking Nadia Aiken! Fuck Nadia. (sighs) For a moment she stares before deciding no, she must be mistaken. Nadia wouldn't come back there, would she? Yes, she would. Well, yeah, we know that. She closes the door and goes to rejoin her guests. The conversation, of course, turns to the mansion, and Bernie mentions that he found something under the floorboards of the east bedroom. <laughs> Theophilus Monroe. Theophilus. Theophilus. There we go. Theophilus. Theophilus. <laughs> I was going to say that you listen to this, so you know this. Yeah. Theophilus. Theophilus Monroe's <laughs> journal. And we all remember from the last book that he was part of the family that built the mansion and was actually the one that incorporated black magic into it. I also just wanted to hear you try to pronounce it first. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Pete's wife asks if they're actually going to mention all that mumbo jumbo when selling it. And Pete says they should. Yeah. The, the more they talk about it, the more interested he is in investing in it. Yeah. And the more interested people are going to be in this house. And Stuart, ever the smart one, mentions how Kate's first husband was a rare book collector and how Kate is kind of into it. Mind if they keep that a while? Oh, sure, sure. Good man, Stuart. That, again, okay, he gets the rest of that star. He does. He now gets a full gold star. He gets a full gold star for coming up with that so quickly. After everyone leaves, Kate, Stuart, and Allie go to check out the nursing home, Laura and Mindy keeping Timmy, and Eddie still out on his date. (laughs) They've split up, Kate and Stuart together, and then Allie away's off, the two connected by walkie-talkies Eddie got at a spy shop. (laughs) Because of course he did. Of course he did. With Father Ben gone, Kate mentions the Crips are out, and says she'll have Eric come pick up the body in the morning. Stuart doesn't love that. And loves it even less when Eric shows up to their stakeout, surprising Allie. Stuart makes it very known that he was not invited. I, you know what? As much as we're like, fuck Stuart later. Yeah. I really liked him at this. And and I like how protective he is. I do like does, how protective he is. He does know what's going on with Eric. And Eric is pushing a lot of boundaries. And he that's, is. And that's, and it's understandable that Stuart is going to be pissed off about that. 
Because he can't. He can't just show up whenever he wants. Well, yeah, but he saw the paper and figured they'd be out there. He came to tell them not to bother, that the demon came for him earlier and he took care of it. Also, he needs to talk to Kate. Kate assures Stuart it's fine and steps off to the side with Eric. What's up? He says the demon didn't attack him earlier. Oh no, it showed up at his door and knocked. Knocked, bowed, and said it was there to serve. So Eric let him in and slid a knife into his eye. But this is bad. Very bad. (laughs) Also, he's starting to remember his dreams. And, well, they're of sex. Hot, violent demon sex. (laughs) Whoever the she-demon is, the demon inside him wants her bad. Not exactly something Kate wants to hear. (sighs) No, it's going to get worse, Kate. (laughs) Also, before her dad showed up, Allie was reading over the notes Bernie brought over. And, well, seems the mansion has an anti-demon panic room. Ooh. Interesting. And probably something we should remember. Yeah, I think that's going to come back later. So, since she is 90% certain she saw her, Kate asked Eric if the other person he sees in these dreams is Nadia. No, definitely not. Fucking Nadia. Good. Not that she was potentially jealous or anything, but if she's back, the two of them will stop her. There's going to be a moment later in this chapter that makes the parallel very clear. But Kate and Nadia definitely have the whole Buffy Faith thing going. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right down to the whole Eric bit, as there's that moment at the end of season three when Faith and the mayor try to bring forth the... The demon inside of Angel. Yeah, Not yeah. Not that Eric, Eric is anything like Angel. Eric is 10,000 times better than Angel. Oh. <laughs> but still, the point remains. I love yeah. it. And I, I love these little things that just keep proving yeah, that like- I think- I think we even talked about it when Nadia first showed up, how she is definitely the, the faith. You know, she is like Faith because she, you know, she's she's edgier. She's darker. Yeah. She, you know, Faith, Faith, Faith going bad was a little different. Nadia was just bad. Yeah. Faith, I have a lot more sympathy for. And again, we'll we'll talk about Faith when we get there. We're very close to there, too. We are getting we are getting there. there. Yes. Oh, my God. Anyway. But before we get to more Nadia, Monday. And Kate's joy that now Allie and Mindy are back on good terms, Kate can talk Laura into driving Allie to school. <laughs> she also invites her to do some research, but Laura, it seems, has a mysterious engagement. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder who it could be. So Kate goes up to the attic alone, taking Timmy with her, but her plans to research are waylaid when Timmy decides he wants to play trucks. <laughs> As playing trucks requires Kate to lay on the floor and not move, letting Timmy drive his car all over her. Another good image. Been there, done that. When she attempts to distract herself from this and actually get work done, a tantrum is threatened, so it's snack time, and then off to see Eddie at work, or as Kate calls him, their neighborhood James Bond. (laughs) At the shop, Eddie is a little surprised to see them, but Kate isn't sure why. Eric saw him, and he gave Allie the walkie-talkies, so it really wasn't that hard to put two and two together. So what brings her in? She needs something to track Timmy. Can he do that? Of course he can. (laughs) He goes through a few options before helping her set Timmy up with a little bracelet. Now what about Allie? (laughs) Oh, please. Allie is a badass demon hunter. And badass demon hunters don't agree to be tagged. (laughs) That's true. But Eddie pulls out the teeniest, tiniest little tracker. Hollywood doesn't always get it wrong. (laughs) So Kate buys it and goes in search of jewelry to put it on before meeting Allie, Mindy, and Laura at the theater they're renting for Allie's birthday party. I love this idea. I want to 
birthday party in a theater. I know. We have like a year till my 40th birthday, so we should make this happen. Yes, there you go. Buy that away, people. (laughs) Allie loves it. It's even cooler in person than in their discussions. She and Mindy run around exploring with Timmy toddling after them, I guess. And Kate and Laura also explore. Laura taking pictures to get an idea of the decor. We learn a few things during this. One, Allie is very excited for someone named Charlie to come. (laughs) And two, she has asked for no gifts, but instead wants to make donations to charity. Aw. Allie's a good kid. He is a good kid. As she walks around backstage, Kate runs into none other than Nadia. Oh, Nadia. And so much of this conversation reminds me of Buffy. Yeah. The whole theater element calls back to the puppet show. Yeah. Nadia's description of the fight between the demons matching what happened in the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, her kissing and shoving Kate, which is an absolutely iconic Buffy and Faith moment. Yep. Yep. I love it. I hate Nadia, but I love it. I love, yeah. Again, like we've, I I just, I love how this is a spiritual successor to Buffy. It's just. It is. (laughs) It's just obvious. It's just obvious. Like we could have written something and you would know that we watched Buffy because. Yeah. So close. Yeah. But fuck Nadia. (laughs) I love how, Julie, I love you for writing somebody that is so obviously somebody that you're supposed to hate. Yes. <laughs> there is there is just no. Just, yeah, there's no, there's no if, yeah, answer, buts about it. Oh, no, no. That is not, the worst. You're like, when she first comes in, you're like, okay, yeah, she's a bad girl. She's a little edgier. And then you're like, no, fuck Nadia. Fuck Nadia. <laughs> but basically their conversation centers around Eric and how she's waiting, wanting oh. him. She being the demon, of course. She also taunts Kate about Allie and maybe she should call Allie back here and tell her everything. She takes off and Allie and the others do come back to check on Kate. She's fine, but she tells Allie that Nadia is back. Mindy wants to know who uh, who Nadia is and Allie says she's the nastiest queen bee you'll ever meet. <laughs> Truth, Allie. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. Didn't she actually call her a bitch? Uh, Yeah, she might have actually called her a bitch. Yeah, she actually called her a bitch. (laughs) So Kate spends the rest of Monday, so Monday night, going over some of Eric's books, which means come Tuesday morning, she is grumpy and calling Eric multiple times. He doesn't pick up, which leaves Eddie to make a comment about him and Nadia and just not now, Eddie. God, Eddie, stop. Stuart tells Kate she's going to worry herself sick and heads off to the mansion to meet Bernie, telling Kate to call him if she needs him. She calls a few hours later when her research still turns up nothing and Eric has answered none of his his phone numbers, even after she called from the private blocked number in Stuart's home office. Time for a little breaking and entering. (laughs) As Stuart comes home and goes with Kate over to Eric's, they try knocking, nothing. Try the key Kate has for Allie, nothing, as he's changed the locks. And so Stuart breaks the glass and lets them in. (laughs) I, and again, he gets another. He gets another gold star. Good job, another job, Stuart. He gets another gold star for breaking and entering. He is really getting into this. They find no Eric, but instead joins of the dagger hidden in a vent. The dagger, Eric said, he had no idea what it looked like. Back mm-hmm. at Laura's, as she had Timmy during this venture, Laura tries to assure Kate that this doesn't necessarily mean Eric has the dagger. The joints were hidden. Maybe they belong to the demon and Eric doesn't even know about them. Kate says she doesn't think that's the case. After all, Eric is starting to remember his dreams. No, he's hiding something from her. And who knows? He could be with Nadia in some hotel room screwing out her brains and reenacting his dreams. (sighs) Laura highly doubts that's the case, but she is curious about the whole Nadia thing. Namely, why Nadia just didn't kill her. It's clear she needs Kate for something, but what? When Kate tells Laura that she's research girl, Laura immediately replies with ritual. Because, you know, past history pretty much points to it being a ritual of some kind. 
Kate then asks if Laura wants to come up to the mansion with her. She, kind of embarrassed, says she has plans, but that Mindy is going. Before Kate leaves, she shows her the poster that she came up with for Allie's party. It makes Kate more than a little sentimental. Fifteen. When did that happen? But also just tell your best friend, Laura. Yeah, like, I don't understand why Laura didn't tell her. I don't know why she was feeling so, like ashamed or like why she was felt like she had to hide the fact that she yeah. was dating Cutter. Up at the mansion, Allie tries to teach Mindy to throw knives as Timmy naps and Stuart discovers there's a leak upstairs and tells Kate he hired someone to do the painting and the tiling. But not to worry, they'll make it fit in the budget as their new contractor is none other than Pete's nephew. I have to say though, when Stuart started mentioning <laughs> paint samples, I had flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we were painting the house, Panda must have looked at over a hundred shades of green before deciding on the one we have in the living room. Yeah. And it, and it looks amazing. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous, but ne- never again. Never, I am gonna be. Again. I'm gonna be there in a little bit when we have to paint the kitchen and the addition. That's that's gonna be my life. So yeah, I feel it. And you know what? When I did when we did the rest of the house when we first moved in, it was the same thing. Like I, in theory, love the idea of painting and repainting, but the oh. act of trying to find and and staring at colors that are just a little bit different but it's just oh they're not different they're not different everything's going great bernie's wife shows up with snacks and then eric shows up finally back from wherever he disappeared to and wanting to know if the two of them know anyone who can help fix a broken window (laughs) the says he's sure he can find someone yeah kate then confirms that nadia is back and asks if that was who eric was with no or at least he doesn't think so He doesn't really know where he was. Doesn't remember. Before he can say any more, their demon buddy from the start of the book shows up. Passing him off as a contractor, Kate has Stuart take Lila upstairs and has Allie take Mindy to the safe room. Then she and Eric go to work. Hmm. The demon says he's there to serve. To serve Eric and his beloved. His true beloved, who is apparently not Kate. (laughs) Oh no. Kate is a distraction and she must die. Yeah, that's not happening. Together they take him out and shove him under the sink in enough time to pretend he's a plumber as Lila passes by again. I just, this whole, the, the moving of the demon, I just, I love it. I love it so much. And, and basically like weekend at Bernie-ing, Bernie's in yes. this situation. <laughs> like just shoving his head under the sink to make him look like he's a plumber. Like, oh... The quick thinking that that they do is is delightful. <laughs> this is another one of those scenes where I'm imagining Julie yes. oh. like just Be laughing. I I can <laughs> like people are gonna I don't know if anybody is gonna love this, but I love it. <laughs> then they're dragging him off to the safe room where Allie is thrilled to see her dad and Mindy gets to help hide her first demon body. Two things. <laughs> one, while Eric doesn't think he's been with Nadia, he does fear he's been with whoever this beloved is. And two, he gets really creepy at the end of this. He is so creepy. And he he has so many creepy moments. Telling Kate that the demon didn't understand that she is not to be harmed. That oh, not yeah. one hair on her head should be damaged. Oh. Like, what the actual fuck? I know. Oh, he is so creepy. Kate's unable to sleep that night, plagued by thoughts of what Eric meant and dreams of him and Nadia. When she wakes up, she finds Eddie and Allie both standing in her room. Something that confuses <laughs> the hell out of Stuart. <laughs> it's like that. Why is half the house in our room? That's another, that's another scene that's just 
so good waking up to seeing like because you're used to you're used to Timmy coming in the room, oh, yeah. you know, the littlest one. But having the older child and the grandfather, like yep. what is happening here? Seems Allie and Eddie have discovered the identity of the she-demon. It's Lilith. Of course it is. Before we get into just how bad it is that the demon in question is Lilith, and it's bad, let's appreciate that Allie found this information by looking on a World of Warcraft type site. I love that so, so much that I love it. Oh my god. And just... And like, and that it's real information that she found. Yeah. So yeah, she she ends up talking to the person who uses Odanus's screen name. So now we've had Laura using Dungeons and Dragons in the past, mm-hmm. and Allie is now using online roleplay. So at the end of the day, the geeks are the ones that will save the world, or yeah. at least provide the heroes with the info to do it. Well, yeah, like it makes it makes a whole lot of sense, and the fact that when you, I mean, anybody listening to this, you're probably as geeky as we are, a lot of what you do with your online role playing and and fiction writing a lot of times is finding real world stuff and just mixing it up to use for. Yeah, yeah. like I have a little bit about that in my notes. Like the first off, I like I would like to think that Mindy's misunderstanding of what was going on gave her the idea yeah. to look into those sort of sites. Yes. And two, there is this long-standing history of fantasy writers using theological mm-hmm. information. I mean, look at C.S. Lewis. Exactly. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean Asland is Jesus? What? Jesus lion. So when <laughs> Allie was like, yeah, I found this guy. He has a PhD in theology. I was like, damn right he does. Yeah, That's yeah. Like, it makes sense. It does. And it is like, what a lot of people forget is that just because geeks spend a lot of time doing geek things, they are smart. Yeah. They are they are the ones with the PhDs and they know how to apply their nerd things. But anyway, Lilith, first wife of Adam, who wouldn't take his shit and so went off to hell, sometimes known as the mother of all demons. Yeah. Her being involved makes this bad. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah. Allie fills Kate in on the whole love story between Odane and Lilith, something she says is kind of sweet. And then Kate (laughs) sends her off so she can talk to the adults. They need to stop this and they need to stop it now. They have to find the dagger. Stuart says, screw the dagger. Let's just find any old knife and end this. Kate tells him about Odane being reborn. And while Stuart cares, he also doesn't because his family needs to come before some rando down the line. Kate says they'll find the dagger and hopefully a way to separate Eric and Odane. Stuart says if they don't and Kate can't bring herself to kill Eric, he will. I can't blame Stuart at this point. I can't either. Things are getting bad. They it's just looking bad. So the fact that there is like Kate needs somebody that is willing to do what she can't do. And it it makes sense. Yeah. You know, and at this point, like Stuart isn't doing it out of jealousy. Like a lot of times at the beginning of the whole Eric Stewart thing, it was very leaning toward jealousy. Now he's looking to protect his family. Yeah. So like up until a certain point, like I am still on the Stewart train. Oh, yeah. And until like closer to the end of the book. You would think the news of Lilith would be it for Kate's day. But no, turns out Timmy shoved something in the dishwasher that caused it to overflow. Because of course he did. So now Kate (laughs) has to call a plumber about that and figure out this whole Lilith and Odane thing. 
Without Laura, as it seems Laura has somewhere to be, with the way she keeps dancing at the clock. But she also has found some stuff, mostly that Lilith is a badass, and duh, every demon that comes to San Diablo is a badass. <laughs> and she promises to keep looking later. Turns out Mindy and Allie have also been doing a bit of research as they come home from school and present Kate with a report on Lilith after demanding ice cream. I love it. I love it. They found a whole bunch of stuff, including the fact that every time Lilith rolls into town, it seems to be because Odine is bursting out of whatever host he's in. Not the best news from Kate's perspective, but it's good to know, and she does thank the girls for their work before telling them to get a starter on their homework. Turns out the homework's already done. That and the report coming out of their many free periods that day. So since their homework is done, can Allie sleep at Mindy's? Mindy says her mom has a date, but it's just Cutter, so Cutter. Like, yeah. Cutter, Cutter. Cutter. Well, this is new information to Kate. She says if Laura's fine with it, so is she. Great. Allie says maybe she can even take Mindy out patrolling. Uh, no. No. <laughs> that is where Kate draws the line. <laughs> they are not going out by themselves. But nope. So if nope. Allie wants to sleep over at Mindy's, she better get her stuff and go before Kate changes her mind. She does, and the girls depart, leaving Kate home alone with Timmy until Stuart arrives and the two of them decide to take advantage of the mostly empty house. Oh my god. <laughs> right up until Laura calls. Kate can't believe Laura hid the fact she was seeing Cutter from her. I know, that's so rude. It didn't start as seeing Cutter, it started as working for him, doing some office stuff, and then, well, he's a really good kisser. <laughs> Kate laughs and Laura asks if she can talk to Mindy. What? Mindy isn't there. The girls went to her house. Or so they said. Uh-oh. You really think Allie would have learned not to lie to her mom about these things? Seriously. Between what happened with the beach party and then when she and Eric went to the carnival when they weren't supposed to be patrolling. Like, come on, kid. I know. Seriously, Allie. Like, I know you're almost 15 years old <sighs> and you do dumb shit, but... You gotta get with the program. Kate can't believe they'd go out alone. She honestly doesn't think Allie is that stupid. And so she assumes they asked Eric to take them, which leads to Kate calling Eric as she heads out to search for the girls. Laura and Cutter having come to her place after learning the girls were missing. Only he hasn't seen them. Kate's hesitant to believe him, and he swears. He's still him. He's not Odane. Why won't she trust him? Well, for one, there's the drawings of the dagger he swore he knew nothing about. What? He never saw those. He swears he hasn't seen the girls. He swears. Does she want him to come help? Her call waiting beeps then and she says she'll call him if there's trouble before switching over to where Allie is profusely apologizing. Sura takes the phone from her and says the girls are home. They're safe. And so Kate heads home. What the fuck were they thinking? Allie says they talked Joanne into taking her and Mindy to her dad's, but when they saw him and Nadia go upstairs, they told Joanne they weren't staying and she brought them home. Kate just wants to know, do all teenagers in this town have a death wish? Yes, they do. Because, yeah, she's kind of starting to believe they do. Yeah, yeah, it's like Sunnydale. It really how is. Just, like, how many teenagers go out later than they should in Sunnydale? You know, even when they, you, they know that a lot of people go missing, they still go out. So, yeah. They're teenagers. They have a death wish. Laura takes Mindy home and Kate sends Allie upstairs. Sura tells Kate that she needs to tell Allie. Tell her why being around Eric could be dangerous. He also reminds her that she came home. She's a good kid. Yeah, kid. Kid. And as much as she is growing up, Kate kind of wishes that would stop. That night, Kate is awoken by noise. Someone moving around the house. She tells Stuart she'll check it out and goes to see what's up. What she finds breaks her heart. And really all our hearts. As Allie is at the kitchen table crying. 
Yep. It's poor Allie and poor <sighs> Kate. Because yeah. in her reading, her looking into Odane, she's found more details about how he lives inside a person. And well, the secrecy, Kate's freakouts, her dad's temper, it all makes sense. The yep. demon is inside her dad. Kate says it is, yeah. But she does not freak out and resents the implication she does. <laughs> Reputation and all that. Allie wants to know why Kate didn't tell her. She knew all this time and said nothing. Honestly, because of this. Because of this moment. She wanted to spare Allie this. They talk, eat frozen Snickers, and Kate assures Allie they are going to do everything in their power to save her dad. She then sends Allie off to bed and heads to bed herself as the plumber is coming the next morning. (laughs) Which is why she is up before eight and talking to Eddie, who has been reviewing her reports. Though he's a bit upset at their lack of analysis. (laughs) And also at the fact that she described him as yelling at his cereal. (laughs) Love that. Kate reminds him that she was 15 years out of the game when she wrote that, and he totally yelled at his cereal. He was he was in a bit of a place at that point. He tells her he doesn't have time for her sass. <laughs> but he has questions. I love the old curmudgeon. <laughs> like, what does this note about her and Eric being linked mean? She tells him what Father Corletti told her about the Lazarus bones and how if she dies, so does Eric. Okay, so this is where I said I think I figured it out. And that I was thinking about it wrong last yeah. time. Yeah. And now that makes me sad again and very worried about my love. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think the link goes both ways. Right. Kind of like how when you took out Gordon, you took out all the minions he made. Mm-hmm. If you take out Kate, you take out Eric, but not vice versa. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Panda, when I was talking about it over lunch with her yesterday, she related it a bit to the whole thing in the originals, where if Mm -hmm. you kill the first vampire of the line, you take out that whole line. Yes. But if you kill one of the random vampires down the line, it Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I... That's how I took it to... I think I liked it better when I assumed Eric was safe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always better when you assume that somebody that you like is going to be safe. Right? Eddie says that's it then. That's why they want Kate. They're going to use that link to kill Kate in such a way that it will kill Eric and let O'Dane have the body. And it only gets worse. Allie, who has skipped school this morning because hello, up half the night, knows who Lilith is. She knows who she is and she knows what she wants. So, as it turns out, Lilith is timesharing with Nadia. Because of course course she is. Of course she is. bitch. Who the fuck else would she be timesharing with? (sighs) But timesharing, it's not going to be enough for Lilith. No. She's never been human before, and that means she's going to want everything. She's going to want to find a way to bind herself to Nadia and take total control. Kate wonders if Nadia realizes what she signed up for, and Allie reminds Kate that A, Nadia is kind of delusional. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And B, going to do anything that she thinks will give her power. Yeah. As we know, timesharing is a bit different than possession, as timesharing doesn't have the outward signs and does give the human in question a bit of a power boost. Yeah. Fucking Nadia. Of course she's, of course, of course she would fucking do that. Oh my God. I hate her so much. Much like Laura said, everything involves a ritual. Eddie and Allie both agree that a ceremony has got to be involved. Because a ceremony is always involved. Of course. It's always a ceremony. I love how all the characters are becoming very genre aware. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're very aware of 
what genre they are part of. He needs to go meet Rita, but tells Kate and Allie to look into it and to have Allie call Forza and clue them in. If they have anything, even the tiniest speck of info, they need to know. So Kate sends Allie off to call Forza, telling her to ask for Father Corletti specifically, and she deals with the plumber, who is not a demon. Kate tested by (laughs) spilling some holy water on him. I love how she just like, oops. And who tells her the problem is Timmy's toy sword. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Allie returns from her talk with Father and she is practically glowing. Father Corletti told her that she did excellent work and that he reminded her of both her parents. He said she should come to Rome, that she would love the archives, that he would love to meet her. Allie is like 90% certain he wants to invite her there to train. And can she? Can she? (laughs) Poor Kate. <laughs> she wants to go to Rome and train? Ellie says, yeah, duh. Because she's a hunter, and that's what hunters do. Is that is it bad of her to want to go? No, of course not. Okay, look, if somebody invited me to Rome to train, of course I would be over the moon. Right? Of course not. But Kate wants to know, why does she want to go? Why does she want to be a hunter? Allie tells her it's kind of because what she said when she told Allie. She had the ability to do it, and that means she has the responsibility. Besides, being a hunter is totally fucking cool. (laughs) Kate can live with that. Yeah, yeah, it's it is totally cool. And when when somebody who like her mom work, you know, worked with Father Corletti and, you know, thinks very highly of it, the fact that Father Corletti is praising her work, that just makes her feel so much better. All that out of the way, Kate drops Timmy at daycare, Allie at school with a note excusing her extreme tardiness. And meets Laura at the library, the two of them going through the rare book section. At first, it seems a bust. But after Laura leaves, off to do some work at Cutters and take the girls with her, Kate does find something. One of the books has a missing page. A page that could indeed contain the ritual. She talks to Betty and discovers that, surprise, surprise, David Long was in here looking at that exact book three days prior. Of course he was. So it's possible O'Dane, in control of Eric's body, came to the library and got rid of the page. Made sure no one could stop him. Of course, lucky for Kate, Betty finds out that the Vatican Library also has a copy of the book, which means Father Corletti can find the info on the ritual for her. The victory is short-lived, though, as Allie calls from Cutters. They're okay, but Kate needs to get there. Fast. (laughs) That is not the way to start a conversation. (laughs) Kate arrives at Cutters to find a dead demon. Mascara wand through his eye. Of course. Turns out this demon was the one they were looking for at Coastal Mists. Mm-hmm. The one Eric said he killed. Mm-hmm. Not good. Nope. Kate asks what happened, and Allie says the demon came in there looking to kill her. So yeah, holy water fight, something sharp through the eye. Kate tells her good job as Laura goes to check on Mindy because this whole demon thing, less fun when they try to kill you. <laughs> and Cutter, poor Cutter. Oh, Cutter. He He just wants to know what the hell is going on. He is having a time. I feel so bad for Cutter. But at the same time, today is the day he's been waiting for. Yeah. Today is the day he learns Kate's secrets. And to be honest, this probably is not what he expected. Probably not. (laughs) Because Kate tells Laura to go ahead and tell him everything. I I really do like Cutter. I love Cutter. I I love love Cutter and Laura. 
Yes. Kate, meanwhile, is going to call Forza and beg for a disposal team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need we need somebody out here. We are having some trouble. Turns out there's one in L.A. and Father Corletti sends them down. Once the body is disposed of, they head back to Kate's and Kate makes Stuart bring back pizza. She also makes everyone promise to stay in the house while she tries while she goes and tries to find Eric and find out about the missing book page. Please listen to me this time. I am having a lot of trouble. I've got so much on my plate. Just do this one thing for me, please. Right. She knows Allie and Stuart are dying to go with her, that Stuart doesn't want her out there alone. But for tonight, she needs them all to stay put, to know they're all together and they're safe. Then she heads to Eric, where she finds Eric and Nadia. Only Eric isn't Eric anymore. And Nadia, she's more Lilith than Nadia. Oh, fucking... They torment Kate with this fact, torment her with the fact that soon they'll be together, that Eric remains because Nadia likes him, which is why Kate isn't dead, at least not yet. See, if Kate dies, Eric dies, and then only the demon remains, which is a bit different than what they thought earlier. Mm -hmm. Earlier, they thought they maybe they needed her to die in a certain way, but no, they need her not to die until after the ritual is complete, until after Eric and O'Dane are one. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if she and Eric die before that, then O'Dane loses that bit of humanity and Lilith doesn't get the full experience she's looking for. Not wanting to hear this or see it, not wanting to see Eric and Nadia's bodies together looking so grossly in love, Kate flees the apartment. Oh, poor Kate. But Nadia slash Lilith follows and it does not go well for Kate. And somewhere in this conversation about how Lilith is going to kill her, Kate pisses Lilith off. And she reads Kate the riot act about how she is so much more than Kate can understand. How she is practically a goddess and Kate should be on her knees. Then she knocks Kate out. The next we see Kate, she's waking up in her bedroom. She's not sure how long she laid on the sidewalk, but when she came to, she headed home, let Stuart fix her broken nose, and then took Timmy up to bed because Timmy cuddles fix everything. Yes, they little, little small child cuddles do fix everything. Now Allie is there telling her that Eric called and that he said he's sorry and he doesn't remember any anything. He also told Allie to tell Kate that he loves her and he's fighting. He is. He promises. We also learn in this conversation that Allie canceled her party, not wanting to put any of her friends in danger. Because if Lilith is willing to go through Allie and or Timmy to get to Kate, well, then random teenagers were kind of just asking for a slaughter. Yeah. Kate's a little impressed and tells Allie there will still be a party, but with just the family. And Laura and Mindy, of course, because honestly, the theater is just as safe as the house. Maybe even more so given only one entrance. Mm-hmm. And this pleases Allie and she runs off as Kate next talks to Stuart and Eddie. And we also have a deposit, so we don't want to lose it. Yes. Remember, remember what we talked about with, Giles, ha- with uh, Giles having the, yes. the deposit on the bronze? The Stone of Solomon is on its way because earlier Kate figured out a plan. Well, more of a theory. If they can use the Stone of Solomon during the unbinding ceremony and have Eric stick Lilith in the eye with it, well, then maybe just Lilith and O'Dane will get sucked into the stone and trapped, much like Andromelech was. It's not a perfect plan. But it's a plan. Yeah, no one is 100% certain it will work. But Father Corletti seemed hopeful, especially if the ceremony is performed in the mansion's safe room. There is one small problem, though. The Vatican's copy of the book, it's gone. Of course. Disappeared oddly about the same time Eric went back to Rome to fill them in on things. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. As Eddie leaves the room, Kate confesses to Stuart that there is one final way. If she dies, Eric dies, and his soul is free. Stuart starts to say that is not an option. And Kate says she knows that she doesn't want to do it, can't do it, 
but she feels guilty because there's the solution. And she knows once upon a time she might have, that she would have done anything for Eric. But now, as much as she wants to save him, she is not sacrificing her family. Good. The ring arrives via FedEx the next morning, as and as Kate needs to hunt down <laughs> Eric, I just, I, I they just, sent it FedEx. FedEx. <laughs> and how is she going to send it? I, well, I, like, I'm thinking they have their own courier service. Apparently not. Apparently the Vatican uses FedEx. I, it's it's just it's <sighs> just hilarious how fast it got there and that they used FedEx to do they it. They probably sent it first overnight. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. As Kate needs to hunt down Eric and save the world, she sends the family, plus Laura, Cutter, and Mindy, to the mansion for the day to hang out in the safe room. The fact that it didn't get caught up in customs was... A miracle. Thankfully, Stuart's already rigged the place for Wi-Fi so that he can do his emails and the girls can, you know, be on their phones. I love that Cutter is just now part of the family. Like <laughs> He has, he's been adopted so quick. He is, he, he just, he, he acclimated very fast. She gets them set up there, making them promise not to leave unless it's an extreme emergency. And she sets off to find Eric, but he's nowhere to be found. Neither him nor Nadia. So Kate heads back to the mansion and tells everyone that she thinks they're okay for the night. That Odane and Lilith are going to lay low until it's closer to the ritual. She asks Laura and Cutter to stay the night at their place, but Laura promises she'll be fine at home. And Cutter, well, he says he'll stay close. We all know what that means, Cutter. Oh, yeah. Yes, Cutter. We 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 get you. We know what you're doing. With Timmy asleep, Kate goes to see Allie, who just, he's in there, her dad. He's in there and he's fighting. And Kate needs to promise her that this will work. Kate tells Allie that she knows she can't promise that. Well, do it anyway. Aww. Kate promises and Allie asks her to sleep with her. Something she hasn't done since Eric died when Allie was nine. Knowing Stuart will understand, Kate agrees and calls under the covers with her. Aww. It's finally Friday. Allie's birthday. Hey. And the day of the no longer so big party. But hey, you got everybody that matters. That's right. Kate starts the day off by giving Allie two presents, the necklace in which she hid the tracker <laughs> and a leather sheathed dagger engraved in everything. That's fantastic. Uh, you know what? Not going to lie. I thought she was going to get her a crossbow. I'd, oh, that would have been cute. Well, she has more presents waiting at the party. Yes. And Kate, she's in party mode all day. No thoughts of Eric or the dagger. No thoughts of Nadia or the ring. Just errands. Because friends or no friends, this is going to be the best birthday ever. And it almost is. Almost. Party starts out amazing. The theater looks awesome. I love all of the posters that Yes, all the posters. Allie loves the decorations, the marquee with her name on it. I I love it. It is so fantastic for a 15-year-old girl. Everything. She loves that her family and her best friend are there. But then Eric shows up. And he's not Eric. He's Odane. Of course not. He (sighs) goes for Allie, grabs her, tries to make off with her, maybe kill her? We really don't know at this point. Because Rita, and oh, do we love Rita. I love Rita so much. She gave Allie a taser. For her birthday. Of course she did. (laughs) I just love that a girl her age needs this. (laughs) Yes, it's so perfect. And I like I like the whole description. Like it's a little black box. Like you don't like not quite sure what it is at first, but it's a taser. 
Allie tases Eric, which allows her to get away. But with the demon inside, he quickly recovers and is off, which is good because police soon arrive since they were kind of on a public sidewalk. There was a lot going on there. Yeah. And they say it was some random that Allie was attacked, but she's fine thanks to having a handy dandy taser. Then they go inside and regroup as Kate tries not to fall apart. It's happening. The end is coming close and she doesn't know if she can do this. Eddie tells her she needs to turn it off. If she's going to do this, she needs to be all business. Allie's phone rings then and it's Eric saying he loves her and goodbye. Oh. And the way he says it, Allie knows, knows that he doesn't just mean in the end of a phone call way. She wants her mom to go, needs her mom to go. I think we're going to need to do a little bit of a trigger warning when we get to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, yeah. I usually do those in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. But also coming, yeah, also coming up to it that this is the part. <laughs> yeah, needs her mom to go find him because he's free of Odane for the moment, really free. And this might be their last chance. They'll go to the mansion, to the safe room, they promise, but she needs to go. And she does. She searches for Eric, but once again finds his apartment empty. There has to be someplace, though, someplace he knew she would find him. The old house. She rushes there and finds Eric in the bathtub, his wrist slit. Without blood, he's weak, and weak, the demon stays dormant. Besides, if he has no blood, if it's all gone down the drain, they can't use it for the ritual. Kate says, this is not the answer. (laughs) And creates a makeshift tourniquet from the strip she cut off of her denim jacket. To be fair, he he was probably at the end of his not being able to figure out any other way of of helping it Dude, this was this was rough when i was listening to it at work uh-huh. this was a little yeah she then runs to the car to see what other supplies she has because he is not dying on her today also the the poor people selling this house oh jesus christ like yeah <laughs> besides if he dies then the demon just goes to another host or takes over completely yeah but he won't know he'll be free of that knowledge of knowing he's hurting her hurting Allie. Unless she could do it, free them both. They both die, his soul is free, and the demon is fucked. No. No, Kate won't do it. And she knows that the Eric she once knew would have never asked her to. Funny. He says the Katie he once knew would have done it without being asked. To be fair, Eric has gone through a lot of shit. He is not exactly the Eric that no. she knew. I, was, I have it in my notes. I said, I do not like what this demon is doing to my Eric. Ugh. I'm very displeased with this demon. I know. Fuck Odane. <sighs> Taking Eric back to the mansion, she forces him into the safe room. It hurts, but he goes because for now he is still Eric. She knows that. Because only Eric would have agreed to this plan to potentially sacrifice himself for her and Allie. And it hurts. It hurts to think this is the last night she might spend with him. But at least they know they did the right thing. In the safe room, Eric bites back the pain and hugs Allie, who is distraught at the sight of the scars on Eric's arms. What did he do? He said he was sorry. He never meant to hurt her. That he'd do anything to avoid hurting her. And then he tells Kate it's time. Lilith has come and she's almost there. Oh, Kate knows. She can feel it. Like an earthquake. The mansion rattling. And when she appears, walls crack and doors splinter. The ring gets destroyed. That poor house. It sends all their plans falling down the drain. She's too powerful. And soon she has Eric. Odane. Who has time to just get one message to Kate. Find it. Use it. It's where things are hidden. He is, of course, talking about the dagger. But worse than having Eric, she has Allie. Because when Lilith calls to the girl, she is powerless. Oh my god. without thought. This was so hard. And though Kate scrambles to get to her in time, it's too late. They're gone. Which is when Eddie reminds her of the tracking device. Yeah. (laughs) 
they'll find her. Using GPS, they track them to the National Forest, and on the drive, Kate realizes why they took Allie. Eric may be in David, but David is not physically Eric. So if they need Eric's blood, well, then they need someone related to him by blood, mm-hmm. like his daughter. That was such a horrifying realization. Because I'm like, I, I, I really was like, why is she taking Allie? But yeah. yeah, then it was like, oh, shit. Eddie assures Kate the car is stocked. And while it's not the dagger, it will still put the hurt on Lilith and allow them to take out Odane. The dagger. Kate knows where it is. She makes <laughs> Stuart stop in the house she once shared with Eric and checks under the floorboards. Her favorite old siding spot. The house that he just bled at. Yeah, there the dagger be. She also knows just where in the forest they're taking Allie to the stone table. Because, duh, if you have a handy dandy stone table, (laughs) you're going to use it for your rituals. Oh, look, the the table is coming back. And what happens when they arrive? It is it is nerve wracking. Allie is on the table. They have the super soakers full of holy water and the dagger. They go in blazing and Kate stabs Lilith only to find out that, oops, that didn't work. Nope. Now she's just pissed and ordering O'Dane <laughs> to attack them all, which he does. And because it's Eric, Kate hesitates. She hesitates and it allows him to get the upper hand. Thankfully, Stuart is there and makes good on his promise. Of course. And slides the dagger into Eric's eye. Only it doesn't work as they thought. There's the shimmer, but it doesn't disappear. It creates a form, and that form creates a beast. Lilith ordering it to kill those that stole its humanity. But Kate grabs the dagger and plunges it into the beast's heart. Black demon goose spilling everywhere, red lights pulsating. And then they're gone. Odane and Lilith are gone, and they're left. With Eric, who is still miraculously alive. Except now he's going to need a fancy eye patch. Like, poor Eric. He like, <laughs> dies and then he comes back into a body and David's body, because of the car accident, has a limp and a cane. And, and now, now he's lost an eye. <laughs> just poor Eric. I know. Like, I'm I. It's also another it's also another funny image to think about. Just this poor man that starts out like when when you first meet David, he has, you know, he, he has the cane and the limp. And now he's going to get back to school and he's going to have the cane and a eye patch. And, uh, but I mean, he's looking like a badass demon hunter now. He is. We end this book with a bit of a wrap up, all of which is bittersweet. And I hate everything about it. Everything is awful. Everything makes me so angry. Because Kate and Allie go to see Eric in the hospital. He's pulling through and fine, but his right eye is now useless. And he's leaving San Diablo, heading up to LA to figure things out figure himself out because he can't, he can't deal with what he did, how he almost hurt Kate, hurt Allie. He loves them both. And because he loves them both, he has to go. It's a moment that shatters both me and Kate and God damn it, Eric. I know, but it makes sense. It does make sense. And you, you know, he'll be back. Oh yeah. Yeah. But also, God damn it, Stuart. Oh my God, I was so mad. Because he too leaves, telling Kate he thought he could do this. He did. He thought he could get on board. But this isn't a life he wants for Timmy. He was doing so well. And he can't have the darkness and danger constantly touching their lives. Before he goes, he does tell Kate that he was going <sighs> to buy the mansion for them. And just, I'm sad about Eric, but I'm pissed at Stuart. I'm pissed at Stuart. Because this too. is time number two. Yes. Number two that he walked out on Kate and just, I don't think you get a third chance, buddy. I No. No, like it makes I, me don't like he's like 
him leaving the first time was understandable. Yeah. Then he came back. But now yeah. he's like, he told her he was committed to this, that he yeah. was going to see this through and fight for her. But now he's walking out again. Yeah. I sure as hell wouldn't give him a third chance. But, you know, Kate is apparently a better person than I am. Kate is Kate is so much better than we are. Because when Stuart shows up at her door, as she and Allie are leaving for Rome. Who the fuck said you could go to Rome with us? Right? And he's just like, I'm coming. She lets him. And I get it. She wants to see Timmy. She wants Timmy there. But I don't know. I'm having a hard time forgiving Stuart for this one. Yeah. And you, and you don't just show up. <laughs> No. And, you know, this is where our story ends with Kate and company headed off to Rome. Yep. It's just, uh, no, that would have been like, I would have been like, give me Timmy. Yeah. The three of us will go to Rome. Timmy can come to Rome. You're not welcome. uh, You you're not invited to the family trip to Rome because you decided you didn't want to be part of the family. So now that we're now that we're going to Rome, you want to come along? No, yeah, no, I'm not about no, that. I'm not no. about that. Stuart, Stuart's going to have a lot of groveling to do in the Stuart, next novel. No, Stuart really needs to, he needs to make up for his bullshit. Oh, anyway, <laughs> that's it for this week. Whew, that was a ride. That was a ride. I apologize for my mimosa-induced ramblings. I loved it. <laughs> Plus so much meat. I went to a Brazilian barbecue for brunch and they brought meat around and I had so much meat. So... <laughs> And I didn't. I, I was going to take a nap, but <laughs> you took a nap. We would never have gotten this done. No, no, never. Thank you all for listening, and make sure to join us next time when we take on season two, episode eighteen, "Killed by Death." <sighs> Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you could subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.